You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. If you missed prayer meeting, a bunch of us were able to go out into the building pad next door and uh, pray in that area. Make sure that you are praying for that. There's a lot of work that's going on over the next couple weeks, and uh, especially to do with the parking lot. So make sure that we are praying for that. Could you turn me up just a little bit, Brother Dusty, just a little bit? <laughs> I want them leaning back just a little bit. That's, that's, that's better. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how you pay attention. <laughs> We've got a lot more, trust me. I, I know you'll pay attention tonight. I, I want to talk to you about one of the greatest needs that we have in our church right now. So let's focus in here. Verse 26, you're going to recognize this passage because last Sunday night, Brother Hall preached from this passage just a little bit before, asking who's holding the ropes. And uh, this, this, takes pla- uh, wow. this takes place right after that. Got it. First try. Verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, how Paul or Saul had seen the Lord in the way. And that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he, Saul, was with them. So in verse 26, he's not with them. In verse 28, he's with them, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. Something happened in between that changed Saul's situation. From Saul not being with them to Saul being with them. Heavenly Father, please bless the preaching of your word. Save the soul near as hell. Use, use this message, Lord, I pray, to reach the hearts of your people. Lord, let it be for Christ's sake. And speak in ways that I cannot tonight. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I can honestly say, and I don't think a lot of pastors could say this. I can honestly say not a week goes by where one of you does not ask me, preacher, is there something that you need? This is totally off topic. I've noticed a lot of you are calling me preacher recently rather than pastor. I kind of like it. Don't worry about it. You ask me, preacher, is there something that I can do for you? Is there anything that you need? I want to get more involved in the church. There's a lot of different ways that that I've heard it. I hear some people say, I'm not doing enough here. I want to do more. Sometimes... I am able to put you in an area to serve immediately. I remember not long ago, we needed people to help clean. I can honestly say, I don't know that we need help with that right now. I think, I think we're good, which is fantastic because for a long time we needed help in that. Sometimes I'm able to put you in a, in a position right away that you're able to serve. Other times it takes some time, but eventually we get you in somewhere. But I have to be honest, there are many times where when you ask me to help in a certain area of ministry, the areas that we have need are areas where not a lot of people 
can serve in, and that's nothing against you. It might just be because of scheduling, or it might be, I know this sounds bad, but because of, because of knowledge. Now, now, I'm not saying that you're, you're ignorant or anything. It's just if, if somebody says, I, I want to help in the church, and the need that we have is for a Sunday school teacher, and the person I'm talking to is a 13-year-old boy, you know, okay, well, you can't meet that need just yet. Nothing against that person. It's just there are some times where when somebody says, I want to get involved, they can't get involved in that specific area, maybe because they're not strong enough to do it. And if somebody says, I want to help, I want to help around the church, and I know that the gutters need to be cleaned, but they're a senior saint. I'm not going to be telling them to get up on the roof and clean the gutters. It's just a strength issue. Maybe a location issue, because some of you, you drive a long way in order to get here. So there's many different reasons. Not everybody can be a bus driver. I think more people could be a bus driver than think can be a bus driver, but not everybody can be a bus driver. Not everybody can be a bus captain. Not everybody can be a lawnmower. Not everybody can be a gutter cleaner. Not everybody can be a weed eater. Not everybody can be a pulpit filler. Not everybody can be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody can be a door knocker. There are some, just your health will not allow you to be a door knocker. Not everybody can be a church musician. Not everybody can be a special singer. That's, that's fine. But the need that I'm going to bring up today, every single one of you can fill it. Every church in existence today, every Bible-preaching church in existence today has this need that I'm going to bring up. Now, I want you to consider something for me. If I can honestly tell you that every single person in here can fill this need, and yet every church in existence has this need, where's the disconnect? The reason that this need is in existence is not due to a lack of people. It's due to a lack of something else. And it's either due to a lack of desire or it's due to a lack of direction. Our church has the need that I'm going to talk about tonight, even though every single one of you can fill this need. So we either have this need because you know what to do, but you just don't want to do it. There's a lack of desire. Or we have this need because you don't know what to do. There's a lack of direction. Both of those are a possibility. I want to address both of those possibilities and meet this need tonight because it's important. We need a Barnabas. We need Barnabases, Barnabai. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep it singular because Barnabases is a weird word. We need a Barnabas. We need somebody who will reach out to somebody new. We need somebody who will reach out to somebody who's trying we need somebody who will reach out to somebody who is shy or somebody who is alone and help them be a part of the church. We need somebody 
to stretch beyond their comfort zone and be the reason somebody else becomes a part of this. We need somebody who will grab them by the hand and grab the church by the other hand and bring them together. We need it. We need it. We need it. Now, if you want to say, preacher, that's your job. I agree. But I also say it's yours. And I will say this. I believe a church could grow to 100 to 150 because of the preacher. Now, I'm not saying that to be proud. I'm not saying that we've grown because of me. I'm not saying that. I believe a church can grow to 100 to 150 because of the preacher. A church will not grow beyond that without Barnabas. And the more Barnabas says we have, the better. And I want to preach on you can be a Barnabas. Every one of you is a potential Barnabas. The future of this church is just as much in your hands as it is in mine. And by the end of the message, I'm hoping for one. Honestly, one. Because that's all it took here. I'm hoping for one person who will not just come and make a decision and not just say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll get caught up in the emotion of it. But for goodness sake, make it their ministry here to welcome new people. We need it, we need it, we need it. When I walk that building pad next door and I look at that space, I need you to be a Barnabas. Now, before you make that decision, let me tell you what you're getting into, full disclosure. First of all, we're going to talk about the need for Barnabas. Then we're going to talk about the discomfort of Barnabas. Then we're going to talk about the ability of Barnabas. And then we'll talk about the reward for Barnabas. Need, need for Barnabas, discomfort of, ability of, reward for. So first of all, why does our church need a Barnabas? You know what my answer would be, Brother Landon? God keeps bringing us souls. God keeps bringing us new people who are trying. They might not be, they might not be succeeding, but isn't that the nature of the word trying? That you haven't made it yet. That you are not yet successful. God keeps bringing us people who are not perfect, but they're, they're trying. They are trying to make this their life. They're trying to make this their church. They're trying to make this their decision. They are trying and trying and trying. And they will never be a part of this if we stay apart from them. You see in verse 26, when he got to Jerusalem, he assayed. That word assayed literally means kept trying. He kept trying to join himself to the disciples. And when I, so then why doesn't, why doesn't the Bible just say he tried? Because that wouldn't explain, that wouldn't impart what 
Paul is doing, what Saul is doing day after day after day, the word try just means he, he tried and he failed. The word assayed means this. He not only tried, but he tried again. And it not only means he tried again, he tried over and over and over. And it not only means he tried over and over and over, it means he tried harder each time. He wanted nothing more than to be a part of the church in Jerusalem, but nobody would welcome him. They were all afraid of him because they did not believe that he was a disciple. Can I, can I, put, that in, in, can I put that in simplistic form? We don't believe you're one of us. You don't talk like us. You don't dress like us. You don't listen to music that we listen to. You don't watch what we watch. And you don't come early like we come early. And you don't stay late like we stay late. And you don't come faithfully like we come faithfully. And you don't hold a KJV like we hold a KJV. And you don't sing like we sing. And you don't help out like we help out. And you don't fellowship like we fellowship. And until you prove that you're one of us, we're going to keep our distance. No. 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 No, 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 not here. There's plenty of churches that do that. And some of you have been to some of them. And you're not there anymore. Why? No, I will not allow it. Have you ever thought if you welcome them? Have you ever thought if you showed kindness to them, if you sat by them, if you were long-suffering with them, if you gave the benefit of the doubt, have you ever thought maybe then they might start talking the way we talk and dressing the way we dress and singing the way we sing and fellowshipping the way we fellowship and coming early the way we come early? Let's give them a reason to come early. Let's give them a reason to stay late. How will they ever prove that they are one of us if they're not giving an opportunity to? Do you remember a young lady named Alex that joined the youth group when I think she was 14 or 15? You know the 15-year-old girl in the youth group who joined that had to check in her baby into the nursery? And do you also remember that all the girls shunned her? They gave no time to that girl. She made a mistake. She did something wrong. But the youth group shunned that girl. Many girls in my grade shunned her. 
But when I go back to Northwest, guess who's still there? And guess where all the girls are who shunned her? They're gone. Alex is in. No thanks to Christians. How will, she, how will they ever prove? Saul, we don't think you're one of us, but we're not going to give you any time to even prove it. Now, here's what I hear. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, preacher. Hey, if, if, if they want to be a part, they need to show some effort. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Now, now I, I want you to don't say amen, don't nod, don't say anything, don't do anything, lest you think I'm trying to trick you. I will tell you when you can start saying amen again, okay? <laughs> if these new people want to be included, they need to show some effort. They need to stay around. They need to come early. They need to come to work days. They need to do this. They need to do that. They need to show some effort. First of all, I think they show, they're showing enough effort by coming to church. And second of all, if our argument is a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, they need to show some effort. We have misinterpreted that verse. I told you not to say amen. Do you know where that verse is? Proverbs 18.24. Here's what the verse says. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Do you know how 99% of Baptists interpret that? The first part, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. You know how they interpret that? If you want to have friends, you need to be friendly. Has anyone ever heard it that way? If you want to have friends... Show yourself friendly. And then the second part, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Oh, that's talking about Jesus. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Ron Hamilton, uh, Captain Patch wrote a song about it. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, let's think about what the Bible says here. Does the Bible say, if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly first? Or does it say a man that already has friends needs to show himself friendly? A man that hath friends already must show himself friendly. He is not talking to people who have no friends. Well, maybe you have no friends because you're not friendly. It's not saying that. It's saying when you already have friends, your natural tendency is us for no more. I already have friends. I already have my people that I talk to at church. I already have my people that I hang around. I'm good. So then a new person comes in. We've got our own. You stay over there. No, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly to those who don't have friends. Are we getting it? A man that hath friends already, show yourself friendly to people who don't have friends. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The man that doesn't care how many friends I have. You want to be a part? I love my group. 
I love my friends. We all get around. We all get along. Would you like to be a part of it? There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now are we seeing it? So this whole, they need to make the first move. No. You make the first move. The man that hath friends, invite the one who doesn't. Well, they come, they come, and they leave, and it, it makes it look like they want to be left alone. Well, when you're always in your own little friend group, you know what the new person is thinking? It looks like you want to be left alone. And the Bible puts the responsibility on these people, not on those people. Let me tell you why churches don't grow. One of the reasons. It is not because the church is filled with Barnabases, but God won't bring Saul's. It is because when God brings Saul's, there's no Barnabases. That's why. And the Lord keeps bringing us Saul's. We need a Barnabas. God keeps bringing us Saul's from without. We need to bring him a Barnabas from within. Lord, when you bring somebody, we'll take care of them. And every single one of you is a potential Barnabas. But you know what potential means? Nothing. Potential means you are not doing what you could do. I always hated when somebody told me, Johnny, you have so much potential. That was just a nice way of saying, you're failing. You could be here, but you're here. A potential Barnabas means nothing. Does no good for God. We need someone to step out of their comfort zone and welcome somebody who's trying. Now let's talk about that comfort zone here. The discomfort of Barnabas. What would make Barnabas uncomfortable from reaching out to Saul? Well, how about his past? How about Saul's past? Everybody knew about Saul. His reputation preceded him. And do you know when people have lived a life of sin, you know where it's written? All over. The, the, the guy doesn't need to wear the Vietnam hat. You can see it. The soldier doesn't need to wear the veteran hat. You can see when people have lived a hard life. And if it wasn't written all over Saul's face, it was definitely written on the minds of every Christian in Jerusalem. They knew who Saul was. And it was probably written in the papers. Saul did this. Here's another one. Here's another one. Saul of Tarsus, the, the lead Jew right now, he was the golden boy. And now suddenly he's knocking... I'd like to join the church. Barnabas had to get over his past in order to welcome him. God is going to bring people to this church whose reputation precedes them. And it's going to be written all over them. The, past, the, the, the roughness of their past is going to be written all over their face with just how they look. Or it's going to be written all over their bodies with the tattoos that cover them. Or it's going to be written all over their records because they've been in trouble with the law. Or it's going to be written all, all on their lips because by their own testimony they'll tell you, I've lived a hard life, but they're here. And they're trying. And I need somebody to remember you were a sinner too. And I was a sinner too. 
And if not for the grace of God, we would have done much worse than they ever did. Barnabas did not let Saul's past keep him from realizing God might have a future for this man. That was uncomfortable. What about the discomfort of the other church members? In reaching out to Saul, Saul was opening himself up to the criticism of all of the other church members that wanted nothing more than for Saul to go. Go away. We don't trust you. We don't believe that you're one of us. Now, let me say this truthfully. I would rather have an auditorium filled with Saul's who are struggling with their past, but for goodness sake, they're trying to do something for the Lord, rather than a bunch of people who have forgotten who they were before Jesus found them and think they've arrived. We had a young lady who came here maybe two or three years ago, straight out of the world. She had no clue. She had no clue what it meant to, to, to speak correctly and, and dress modestly and, and do all that. She had, she had no clue. No clue. Zip. Zilch. Nada. Donut. And we have a Bible giveaway. Pastor, can I come to the Bible giveaway? Are you kidding me? Of course you can. Yes, come to the Bible giveaway. She came to the Bible giveaway. Not dressed modestly. We'll just put it that way. She did not dress modestly. And we had church members throw a fit. They came up to me. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. Send her home. You shouldn't allow, you shouldn't allow that to happen. You know what I saw? Someone who was trying. And the church member who called that out, as far as I know, isn't even in church anymore. You know where that young lady is? She's in church. The Mormon church. And by her testimony, she said, they're so kind to me. Now, we're a friendly church. I'm not saying you're all horrible people. And the, and the, the, look, one instance is one too many. Let me tell you a victory. Another lady came two years later. She came on on July 4th day on our God and Country Sunday. Same thing, not dressed modestly, tattoo on her arm. But you know what the church members did? You know what you did? You know what you did? You welcomed her, and you were kind to her. And you know what you did, Miss Leanne? You said, come over to our house. We're having a fellowship tonight. And she came over, and we talked to her, and we welcomed her, and you laughed with her. Her name is Alana Hack. She married Christian, and they're both at Heartland Baptist Bible College right now, and Christian's about to graduate and go to be a missionary in Portugal. It's important, people. It's important how we treat the ones who are trying. And you're going to have some Pharisee who will say, I don't believe they're one of us. The Pharisee probably isn't one of us either. You do what God tells you to do, not what man thinks. 
But here's another discomfort. Barnabas had to, had to put himself out there, and Saul could, have, Saul could have ruined it. It all could have been for nothing. That's uncomfortable. What if I go out and what if I say, look, I'm going to vouch for this guy, and then the guy is not vouchworthy? That's something that he had to... Do you realize the effort that it took in order for Barnabas to reach out to Saul? It meant sitting by him in church. It meant... It meant not sitting in his usual spot. (laughs) And sitting somewhere else. Sitting uh, Sitting by somebody new. Sitting by somebody who probably killed somebody Barnabas knew. It meant sharing time with him. And having conversations with him. It meant leaving his usual friend group that Barnabas could pick up a conversation with anybody at any time in that group and trying to find out what he had in common with Saul. That's awkward. That's uncomfortable at times. But he did it. He put the effort out. Why don't you stay with me? Why don't you come after her? Why don't we go out to eat? Let's go to Shawarma King. Let's get something. Let's talk. And he put the effort out. He faced the discomfort and he took Saul in. And he even spoke on his behalf to the apostles. Can you imagine how it felt to Saul when he hears Barnabas say, listen, I'm going to vouch for this man because for the past three years he's been in Arabia studying the scriptures and for the past however long he's been in Damascus preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord? Guys, come on. What else do we want from him? Well, that's because Barnabas was a great Christian. Listen, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not belittling who he was. I would, be, I would honestly say Barnabas is a better Christian than me. But I also need to say this. I read nowhere in Scripture where Barnabas was this extraordinary man that could, that could never be emulated. I don't read that. You want to know the ability of Barnabas? The ability of Barnabas is the ability you have. Think about Barnabas. Barnabas could not preach like Peter. He couldn't. He couldn't administrate like James. He wasn't the first pastor at at Jerusalem, and probably for good reason. He didn't preach Pentecost, and probably for good reason. He couldn't defend the faith like Stephen. He couldn't sing like David. He couldn't host like Martha. He couldn't even win souls like Paul. But you know what he could do? He could reach out to Paul. You may never preach. You may never captain a bus. You may never teach a Sunday school. You may never give millions. You may never lead a ministry. You may never be a great soul owner, but you can welcome somebody new. You can be a Barnabas. You may never be a, be a Peter whose preaching shook thousands. You may never be a Martha whose who's hosting impressed so many. You may never be a Stephen whose influence and his persuasive language inspired so many. You may never be a James whose wisdom shaped the first church in Jerusalem. You, never, you may never be a John who has these visions of God that were incomparable to, uh, incomparable to anybody else. But you can be a Barnabas. I promise you, you can. And in being a Barnabas, you might reach a Peter. In being a Barnabas, you might welcome a James. You might welcome a John. You might welcome a Saul, who later becomes Paul. You might welcome somebody who does something that you never could do. So I want you to think of the reward of Barnabas. Now, in order to do that, can you consider with me briefly the vast impact of Paul's ministry on the world? 
Can we think of that for a little bit? How many churches did that man start? How many churches did Paul start? We got no clue. But more than we have. How many souls did he win? And I'm not talking about the, the, the pyramid scheme aspect of soul winning, where when you win something to somebody to the Lord and they win a thousand, you've, you've, I'm not talking about that. Just personally, how many did he win to the Lord? My goodness. We don't know. How many, how many, what's the word? How much scripture did he write? How many doctrines did he explain? How many spiritual battles did he fight? Let's think about this. Even after his death, he being dead yet speaketh. How many souls have been saved by reading the words of Paul? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. How many souls have been saved by reading, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul wrote that. How many people have been saved by reading, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many people have been saved sucked from the grasps of, of false religion by reading Paul's words, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How many people have been saved? How many people, how many lives have been changed by reading the words of Paul? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many people were able to let go of the baggage of their past because of Paul's words? How many lives have been changed by reading? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. How many strong Christians have become mature Christians by reading that? How many lives have been changed by reading? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. How many lives have been changed by reading? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul wrote that. How many lives have been changed by reading, Husbands, love your wives? That guy never had a wife. Husbands, love your wives. And wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. What a great reward must Paul have in heaven. You realize none of us would be here None of us would be here without Paul. But here's my argument. Whatever reward Paul has, Barnabas has a little more. Because without Barnabas, there would be no Paul. <laughs> Love you, pops. Listen. Barnabas could never do all that Paul did. And he would be the first to admit that. I could never do that. But Barnabas did for Paul what nobody else would do for him. Paul changed the world. Barnabas changed Paul's world by just being friendly. You can be a Barnabas. And I need you to be a Barnabas. You can greet people at the door. For more than a week, you can greet people at the door. You can sit with somebody new. I know it's going to make them feel awkward, but look around. We have some new people here tonight. Now, don't stare, okay? <laughs> Go next door, buy him a coffee. You have the money. 
spend some time with them, invite them for a meal, introduce them to your friend group. Well, what if my friends start liking them more than me? They probably will. <laughs> In every group of friends, there's a weird one. And if you think, no, guess who the weird one is? You can be friendly to the friendless. You can be kind to those who nobody else is being kind to. And in doing so, you'd never know who you might be welcoming into the church. You never know. And you never know how much they might need it. You may never be a D.L. Moody who took the United Kingdom in, his one, in one hand and took America in the other and shook him for God. But there would be no D.L. Moody without Edward Himble, a Sunday school teacher who was just a Barnabas to him. You might never be a Lee Robertson, or a Jack Hiles, or a Jack Treber, or a Keith Gomez, or a Terry Angel, or a John R. Rice, or a Lester Roloff, or a Charles Spurgeon. But none of those men would be who they were without somebody in their life that was a Barnabas to them, I guarantee you. And our church needs a Barnabas. You might not be able to do much, but you can do that. You can help those who are trying to be a part. Watch for the new faces. Be friendly. Welcome them in. You remember who your Barnabas was, don't you? Be that to somebody else. You might need to face some discomfort. You might have to give some effort. You might put effort into people who never return the favor. But you will have reward in heaven. If you're here and you're not saved, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, let me be your Barnabas. Come forward in just a little bit and I'll introduce you to the greatest friend that you will ever know. But for the rest of you, I want to know who will be a Barnabas? Who's going to do it? Who's going to look into the future? Who's going to realize this isn't about me? This isn't all about me. One illustration I'll give you and I'll be done. You know who Jim Lovell is? Jim Lovell was an astronaut during the Apollo missions. He was the captain. You call him captain, brother? Brother Wallach? Commander of the Apollo 13 mission. He had already seen the moon. The other two had not. Fred Hayes and somebody else, Swaggart. And when they realized they were not able to walk on the moon, there came the time when they were slingshotting around and they were going to get close to it. And when that happened, Commander Lovell stepped back from the window and let them spend the entire time looking at the moon. And they told him, Commander, why don't you come and see? And he says, no, you look, I've seen it. And what I want to get 
what I want to teach you with that illustration is every now and then you need to realize when you come to church, you might need to come with the, with the idea of how can I minister to somebody else rather than having it all be about me? How can I get into a position where I can look at somebody else and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you hear this? Because I've heard it, but you haven't. That's Barnabas' mindset. A Barnabas does not look for the people who are already in. A Barnabas looks for somebody who's not in and then does everything he can to get them in. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.